Hi, good morning, and welcome to CIO Leadership Live. I'm your host, Barry Fran Johnson, CEO of Mary Fran Johnson Media and a contributing columnist and moderator for CIO.com and their virtual events. Twice a month, we're producing CIO Leadership Live with the generous support of my friends and colleagues at CIO.com and the CIO Executive Council. We're streaming live right now to you on LinkedIn and um, our CIO's YouTube channel, and we welcome all of our viewers to join in this conversation today with some questions of your own. We'll be watching for those, and uh, our editors will do their best to pass them along to me and to our guest who today is Deepa Sony, the Chief Information Officer at the Hartford and Executive Vice President. What Deepa does at the Hartford is oversees technology, data, analytics, and information security, and she reports directly to the Chairman and CEO. The Hartford is a Fortune 200 leader in property and casualty insurance, group benefits, and mutual funds, with an employee base of 18,000 plus, and revenues last year of $22.4 billion. Widely recognized for its customer service, sustainability practices, and its integrity, the Hartford counts the Golden Gate Bridge and Babe Ruth among some of its most famous customers. Today, it insures millions who own or lead businesses of all sizes and also provides workers' compensation, group life, and disability coverage. Deepa joined the Hartford in September 2019 as the insurer was continuing to ramp up its aggressive technology agenda. The Hartford has expanded digital capabilities, simplified processes and platforms, and is applying data and analytics and AI practices to enhance its products and services across the board. Deepa came to the insurance industry from an extensive IT leadership career in banking. Most recently, she was the U.S. CIO for the Bank of Montreal's financial group. And before that, she led all aspects of technology strategy and delivery across all of the businesses for M&T Bank. Deepa, welcome. It's great to have you here today. Good morning, Mary friend. Pleasure to be here. Yes, ma'am. Let's start out with one of my favorite helicopter views up at that 30,000-foot level. Uh, and talk about the insurance industry and how the Hartford is seeing the future unfolding there and how technology is preparing the company for whatever our next great disruption is going to be. Sure. Um, insurance industry is changing at a really fast pace. Mm -hmm. and there are some macro trends that we see. The advent of data advanced analytics, AI, IoT, mm -hmm. has given us a platform for insurers to do more of risk management and risk um, prevention advisory services to our customers. Yes. And so that's a whole new domain that's brewing uh, with the advent of technology in there. The digital experiences, demand of our customers mm -hmm. goes unabated. The number of channels, um, the number of platforms, the distribution channels, the servicing channels, all are growing. And we have been investing in a lot of the technology to meet the customer on the platform of their choice. Right. Our employees are also asking for better tools, more digital processes, better insights, better data at their fingertips, mm -hmm. whether it's an underwriter, a claims adjuster, a service rep or a salesperson, 
you know, all our employees are looking for that digital experience as well as data, data and insights at their fingertips to do their jobs, yes, to streamline yes. the customer experience. There is so that is also a big focus and a trend and a continuing investments and in, um, <laughs> strategy for us. And then lastly, um, in insurance, we talk about connected devices, connected homes, uh, embedded insurance. You know, all of that is really brewing quite a bit and I think gives um, companies a really good space to help their customers in many different ways. Yes. So APIs, you know, sit at the center of this. Um, I call it the API economy is taking off and um, it lead, it can lead to different models, different business models, different digital models. Mm -hmm. uh, we can talk more about it. But, um, you know, you see that at the end, at, as we talk about all these trends, you know, tech and data analytics and cloud is sort of at the underpinning of how companies can evolve their new business models, new offerings, products offerings to the customers. And I would say the Hartford is very well poised to take advantage of these trends. Well, and, and poised and also currently taking advantage of a lot of them. I know we're going to talk about a number of the initiatives and the things you have gotten underway since you arrived, uh, I guess, a little over three years ago. Congratulations on another um, anniversary, I guess, last month. Yeah, you yeah, you your mark. One of the things we talked about earlier, and there was a quote you had that really stuck in my head, and it was about um, how the future of technology is the future of insurance as well. And I, I don't know if you meant that specifically for the insurance industry or just it's the future of all businesses, but talk a little bit about why the future of technology is so closely tied to the future of your, of your industry now. Yeah, I think that is, um, that's how we look at the Hartford. If we look at our business strategies and the evolution, a lot of those business strategies are dependent on what the tech and data can bring together. Mm -hmm. to serve our customers. And so I say that at the Hartford, you know, the future of technology meets the future of insurance. Mm -hmm. um, business is the technology and technology is the business. And so we are, you know, Hartford has had, like you said, a very solid track record of investing in tech and data. And we have even a more aggressive agenda in the next three years. And that is to bring all these leading edge modern capabilities to uh, our businesses so we can serve our customers, brokers, and agents uh, more and more. Yeah. Well, you made another interesting point when we talked earlier about how people tend to think the insurance industry is basically about claims processing and, and selling policies, but that the essentially the agenda has broadened so much more with the way you work with customers. Uh, talk about that and the way technology is enabling that and maybe accelerating it in some areas as well. You know, at the Hartford, I would say uh, the company has been pivoting towards being more advisory towards risk prevention and risk mitigation. Mm -hmm. But now that we have more modern tools and we can, we have all these sensors sitting in various places that we can stream the data in real time and run AI on it and get insights, you know, we have a pretty unique opportunity to really move into, to, to really enhance and add our more risk prevention, risk mitigation services. That's an evolution of the business model that is enabled by the ease of the technology that's coming to play. Yes. Well, in another, I'll, I, I keep quoting you back to yourself. So these things should sound familiar to you. Um, I was very interested when you said you're turning, part of your work is to turn a data rich company into a data led company. 
And I, I saw another CIO recently quoted saying that we talk a lot about digital transformation, but it's really data transformation, uh, which makes it sound very numbers and data-based. But uh, talk a little bit about what the difference is between a company rich in data and a company using data to lead its strategies. Right. So insurance, you know, has always been a data rich industry. Of course. Um, very data rich. And um, turning data into insights, you know, in the legacy platforms has been, has been cumbersome. And so when we talk about, you know, going forward, we have been on this journey. And as we accelerate our journey, we have the advantage of modern data technology that can really run a lot of data sets very quickly mm -hmm. and we do it at scale. So as I think about the, we, we call, we are using the term information advantage within Hartford to signify a strategy where we want to use all of these modern, technolo modern technologies and data analytics, data science, artificial intelligence to bring together advantage to our businesses and, and the difference is two things. One, we can do it faster with the technologies that we have. And second thing is we can do it at scale. Right. So our end users don't have to wait for insights and we can give a larger population of the end users insights that they can make business decisions on on a daily basis. Yes, okay, got it. Um, how have your, let's talk a little more specifically about how your digital business models have been adapting or advancing during these last two years. Um, we've called it everything from the great uncertainty to the great opportunity, all of the changes that have gone on in our world in the last two years. What have you seen as the big picture impact on your business and your customers? I would say the Hartford was actually already on a pretty robust digital journey. Even before that, we had a lot of capabilities. I think um, the pandemic definitely made use of those capabilities in larger scale um, that you know customers weren't using. So I would say we have been on our journey, on our three-year roadmap, pretty pretty focused on digital digitization, you know, enhancing our underwriting and customer journeys that we were pre-pandemic. Mm -hmm. We continue to do that, so it's a lot of the strategy and the execution that we were we were planning, and we continue to do that. And, and digital has been a core part of our strategy and execution before pandemic. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Um, let's talk about the size and the scope of the technology team and the folks that um, are working for you. I think you told me you have a a workforce of seven thousand plus. Um, how is that structured to deliver the greatest value today? Sure. Um, you know, we are very robust 7,000 person team, uh, very proud of the team. And uh, we're organized around what we call as horizontals and verticals. Mm -hmm. um, verticals are really our CIO teams that are lined up to a line of business segment, the deep into the businesses. And um, as we'll talk, one of the transformations we have done is gone into value stream model, which actually uh, has helped us get directly connected to the businesses. And so we have verticals which are aligned to our business units. And then we have horizontal functions like our data and analytics, data science that are still embedded um, by the business, but we share some of the horizontal practices and infrastructure is a great example. Cyber is a great example. So that's mm -hmm. how we're, we're organized. Okay. Uh, talk a little bit more about what a value stream is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, maybe a little bit of context before we go to value stream. 
you know, as we think about the pace of change in the industry is accelerating. Mm -hmm. um, three years ago, we started talking about how do we how do we position ourselves to be agile, be agile, not do agile. Right. Um, that meant mm -hmm. that we had to um, we had to structure ourselves a little differently. So we were we were doing a lot of projects about three years ago. And then we as a company, um, not just technology, technology, business, finance, all held together and said, we're going to pivot towards value streams. And value stream is really a functional domain that we can tie um, our objectives of investment of technology, execution of technologies to some customer centric okay. values, KPIs, OKRs in the industry, as we call it. And so we've really pivoted <clears throat> from doing projects to now completely aligned on value streams across each of our business units. And that has simplified our execution model. Mm -hmm. And I go back to agility is one of the core tenant that we've been trying to do everything around. So yes. our, how we operate, how we execute, how we organize is all around agility. And one of the first things we did was to get around value streams. An okay. example would be uh, in one of our business units, we used to do about 50 to 60 projects in a year. And what we did was we took those 50 to 60 projects and started to pivot towards six value streams that were more focused on customer and the capabilities we were delivering. And our value stream could be underwriting new products. It could be servicing. Mm -hmm. And so that has simplified. And each of the value streams now has a very strategic view of what capabilities we're delivering to the customer. Yes. The next three years, we have two three-year roadmaps. We've changed our IT investment processes uh, to match that persistent team structure. So a lot of change uh, yep. across the company. It's not a technology change, but I think technology is a big part of it in helping deliver, deliver and be agile. So that's yep. one of the big changes, you know, we have done. Now are all the value, do all the value streams lead to customers one way or the other, or do they lead to different parts of the business? Um, they lead to customer in one way or the other, either they are helping our employees serve the customers or they're serving the customers directly. But each one of them have some business centric KPI that they're aspiring for. Okay, okay, that's great. It's actually, that's easier to keep track of it in your mind about yeah. all the streams yeah. are leading to that ocean of customers, all those tens of millions of customers. Yeah. And, that... and we're maturing, you know, we're maturing yeah. in that, but uh, yeah. that pivot from not worrying about projects to now really thinking about the customer as the head of the, at the end of the value stream has is, is been a big pivot for us as a company wide. Yeah. Um, like I said, we're still maturing. <laughs> so I wouldn't claim yes. perfection, but, well, um, but it's a big pivot. It, well, it is. And it's fascinating to see an industry as, as, as long lived and as enormous as insurance doing this. I first heard about this kind of idea, product and value streams, probably eight or 10 years ago at one of our conferences when the uh, CIO from one of the big uh, home improvement retailers was on stage talking about how, uh, you know, instead of doing projects, everything got organized along value streams or product streams at, where one of them would be called checkout. And it was, you know, everything that has to happen around checking out and buying something from a store. And it didn't matter if it was web or in person or catalog. Because it, I guess it's long enough ago that people had catalogs. <laughs> so that's right. That's right. And you know, um, you hear about those value stream, product centric models, and digital companies slash um, organizations. Mm -hmm. But we're very lucky. We've been able to do that across the enterprise, across all our businesses. 
Um, mm-hmm. And that has helped us, all, helped us a lot with that agility motto, if you would. Yes. And then to add to that on the theme of agility, I think the other thing you asked about, what changes does IT have to make to enable you know, the business yeah. faster? I think the other pillar for us is around modernization of the technology stack. You know, right. we have been um, modernization of the technology stack and automation of our own processes. So while we spend all the time automating underwriting claims, you know, all the business functions, mm-hmm. we've taken on a journey to really go aggressive on our own automation of IT processes because it doesn't help to just, you know, work on the application development side of the house. So we've right. taken on a end-to-end automation. If you think about not just, um, you know, cloud gives us a platform to to be more efficient and be more automated right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. We are also taking on DevSecOps and AIOps and MLOps, any sorts of automation that's available to us as yes. technology professionals, because that does lead back to that agility. Yes. And the modernized yeah. technology gives us agility because we're not dealing with complex legacy problems to deal with. Mm-hmm. And so between those, those two combinations, that's the other pillar of agility for us is bringing the uh, extreme automation, as I call it, as well as the modernization of technology stack to be able to help deliver to the businesses and to our customers faster. Yeah. Well, and when you talk about enterprise agility or even extreme automation, this is not just happening within the technology organization, which at 7,000 people, you're what, a third of the company. Um, The rest of the company is also on this journey with you. What does that look like and what what role do you play in that as the CIO? Sure, it is absolutely a collaborative effort mm-hmm. uh, between businesses, technology, and, um, and finance, actually. Finance has played a very big role, which I don't hear in many other companies, so really kudos to our finance team here. Mm-hmm. But we're a partner, so we have a core team. We have one of our business leaders is my peer, and we have uh, one of our CFOs is my peer. We lead a core team uh, across the organization and we think about how we're going to mature. In fact, we have half a day summit, agile summit today after this call oh. uh, that we're going to get, um, you know, our agile champions and agile leaders across the company. And what we, you know, what we all came out with was some principles, which meant we would do it at an enterprise wide, but every line of business has the flexibility. So we have a blueprint that mm-hmm. everybody can, and it has to be meaningful to them. And so that has been a big part of the success is our business units have been able to tweak it for what it makes sense to them. Right. And so we do it across the company. We have alignment at the executive level that this is good for us. Agility, like I said, you know, delivering faster to our customers, brokers and agents is a key tenant within mm-hmm. the company. And so we're focused on um, collectively on this. Yes. Well, and you mentioned your partnership with finance. You also mentioned something that I want to um, follow up on where your IT financing and budgeting processes have changed along with this. What can you tell us about that? What kind of a before and after are we talking about here? Yeah, you know, uh, before we went into scaled agile, we mm-hmm. were on an annual planning basis. And so we did see um we, we had multi-year investments, and, but the IT processes were annual. And what, where we've pivoted to is really three-year roadmaps, three-year strategic investments. And that's mm-hmm. key to the persistent team, persistent teams that we talk about in Scaled Agile. Yeah. And so finance has been at the, you know, at the table with us, a partner in, in helping shape 
uh, those investments. And, and the company always had a very strategic view. Now we've operationalized a lot of processes that lead to, you know, us looking at leading edge indicators and, you know, our, our, our financials. We always, businesses have the adaptability to make changes as the customer need changes or the market changes. We have complete adaptability, flexibility, but we also, you know, pride ourselves that we now have a three-year roadmap that we're all working towards. Okay. You'd also mentioned, I know that we're going to talk more about um, the heart for being a destination for tech talent and that that is a, a very important theme for you. Um, but you also had mentioned that um, from a workforce perspective, you've pivoted to more engineering focus. And there's a lot of focus along with that on upskilling and reskilling teams, customer centric KPIs for what are KPIs? They are. Oh, my mind is a key blank. performance indicators. That's it. Key performance indicator. Okay. So talk about that, about what an engineering focused pivot has meant to, to you in running the technology organization. Yeah. It goes back to our theme of agility. You know, as we think about yeah. extreme automation, you know, we um, have been pivoting towards engineering skills that can code, that understand the business, that can yeah. code and um, are closest to the business. And I think that's where the agility comes from. When you have a lot of handoffs with an IT, you know, business said this to somebody interprets that to somebody codes it, somebody mm -hmm. tests this, and then it goes, that's a lot of wasted time in the in the IT cycle like yeah. cycle time. So we started our journey towards um, upskilling and training our folks. Um, we've always done it, and but I think with the, with the advent of cloud and data analytics and AI, that's mm -hmm. been a huge, a uh, huge focus for us to make sure that our internal folks are leading the way and they are leading the way today. You know, we have yeah. a lot of work that is going on in cloud and has gone on in cloud and our internal teams have really led the way along with our, you know, vendor vendor partners. Mm -hmm. But we invest a lot in our, in our, um, in our, you know, agile cloud uh, technical skill set. And it's not just the development community, even in our infrastructure, you know, our data engineering is a, is yeah. a core competency that we're, um, you know, uh, advancing and uh, investing in. So Hartford as a, as a destination for talent, you know, that's one of the things we really pride ourselves in, is, is in investing in our people. Mm -hmm. Well, and you had, um, I know uh, in 2021, the first time the Hartford applied to Computer World, um, Best Places to Work in IT, uh, you ended up scoring number five on the list of the best places to work in IT. Um, have you heard anything yet about 22? Is that something that you want to do every year or? Yeah, we haven't heard about 22, but yes, we are going to be applying. So you're right. We were top five in mm -hmm. the country for mm -hmm. best places for IT professionals to work in by the computer world. So we didn't say that. Computer world said that. Right. And, that, um, that external validation external is... Validation, uh, external validation. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you go back and think about, I put myself in an IT professional shoes and say, what did I look for? Um, you know, I still look mm -hmm. for three things. One is, am I working on the leading edge technologies? Yeah. Modernized stacks. And so as, as we've been speaking, Hartford, we have been investing a lot in modernizing our technology. So our folks can work on leading edge technology and can go back to deliver faster. Mm -hmm. Second is you want to work with business leaders that are champions of tech and data. And I'm very proud to say that Hartford has, a, you know, has business leaders that you work with in Hartford mm -hmm. that are way good champions of tech and data, and we can't get enough of tech and data in our business strategies. So 
you really, as a technology professional, are impacting the business outcomes, working with the businesses, no matter what role you are in. Mm-hmm. And third is the culture. You know, Hartford prides itself, and as you said in the beginning, you know, we're a very ethical, super collaborative, really nice culture that values performance, inclusivity, diversity, mm-hmm. and flexibility. And so I, I say crown is, culture is a crown jewel. And so if you are working on modernized technology, you know, you have, you're impacting the business directly by your work and it's a great culture to work in. What else can you ask for? Yes. Well, true enough. What, what makes a culture great to work in? I'm always fascinated by that topic because a culture is almost always about how people get along with each other, how you get things done, whether, you know, they're the, the management is speaking with integrity and telling you what's really happening. But you've been in uh, many, many years in banking, which has, of course, a lot of integrity built into its culture as well. But how has this felt different to you? What, what is it about the Hartford culture that has, has made you feel so at home there? Mm-hmm. You know, when I was coming in, I kind of had a sense that this place had a good culture, but mm-hmm. you really have to experience the culture. And I would say I've been mesmerized by it. I couldn't tell you what the recipe is. I'm sure our CEO is the recipe because it starts from top down. But um, the culture is really about people helping each other, genuinely caring for each other, mm-hmm. genuinely coming in to help. And um, what I've seen here is, that people genuinely come together to help, no matter what the problem is, whose problem it is, people will Mm -hmm. come together. You know, we align on the company first and foremost, and you don't see a lot of personal agendas. Um, It is really, you really have to experience it to really feel the value of the culture, but that's what our employees tell us too, that they stay here because of the people that they work with, that the culture we're in. Mm -hmm. It's a very supportive culture, very employee-friendly culture, very, ethical culture. And so that's sort of my words on what is what I've seen here. And it is just, um, I say, like I said, it's a crown jewel of how you can do a lot of things in this company very fast because of the culture that we have. Yes. Well, and uh, you had mentioned, I wanted to pivot back for a moment to the core modernization work. Um, I think you told me at one point that you no longer have any more waterfall processes. And I always think of the big insurance companies and the banks were the original customers of mainframe computing. And I'm, I'm sure that probably still for many years into the future, there will be mainframe level computing involved in what you do. Um, but how, how does that, is that something that you can attract talent to working on older technologies that need to be ushered into the modern age? How, how do you go about that? I mean, I would say that Hartford is actually on a journey to modernize. So for many years, Hartford has been investing in technology mm-hmm. to keep modernizing the stack. And now we're taking a leap to go leverage cloud more. You're going to modernize even more, if you would. But, um, you, we, you know, it's um, that that's one of the reasons we, we keep investing in our technology modernization and simplification is so that our um, employees uh, can feel good about what mm-hmm. they're, how they're working, what stack they're working. And so that has been a big talent attraction for us. And people have loved working on newer technologies for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, let's talk about some of the tangible benefits and the advantages that your customers have been seeing in the last two years. I know that you mentioned one to me um, that was about the ability to get a quote to a customer. 
used to take a number of weeks and you've cut that time somewhat. Talk about that. You know, um, as we've been investing in technology for many years and also re-engineering our processes, we're seeing some of those benefits, um, whether it's the flexibility of the products that we offer to our customers. Mm-hmm. So we've launched quite a few products um, in our multiple business segments that are way more flexible, way more customizable to the customer mm-hmm. um, and scalable. Um, they can go up and down in their coverages and things like that. Um, and then also uh, we were talking about just the submission to quote, which is a very simple, which is the core of the insurance processes by the, you know, the time that takes for submission for a person to submit and the quote, you know, in one of our business segments, it has gone from days to hours. And that's based on modernized technology enabling modernized processes, right? It's mm-hmm. not just technology, not just processes. It's the combination of how we're bringing data tech and the processes together to streamline that customer experience. Yes. So we continue to see that. Okay. How does that, um, how does that pivot into or play into the overall enterprise data strategy? I think uh, along with talking about talent and, and all the modernization work, I think, as we said, you know, digital transformation is really data transformation. Uh, I, I think I may be adopting that as one of my new catchphrases. Um, tell us about the enterprise data strategy and how you have been changing it or advancing it or expanding it since you arrived. Yeah, I would say data is definitely critical to any digital transformation. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one of the other pillars we started working on was bringing the data, data analytics, data science, and technology together uh, for the business process because the impact that these three disciplines have together is really magnified when they're collective versus when we, we do them in silos. Mm-hmm. So we started up, this is part of the operating model chain that we started doing was bringing these teams together and always making data a part of our digital transformation journey. So we're not thinking about data as an after fact, mm-hmm. but historically as well, like I said, the Hartford has been leading in turning data into insights. And what we've been focused on in the last couple of years is again, modernizing the data pipelines, modernizing the automating the ML ops, you know, so we can deliver data faster. And mm-hmm. then in the advanced analytics space, really, um, accelerate our data science journey, which has already been great. Um, like I said, we've been we've been doing this data science work for, for many years. Sure. And we're quite mature, but the opportunity to do more still exists. And so we're accelerating that we want to do more at scale and at speed. Mm-hmm. Now, when you mention ML ops, that's machine learning, machine learning ops. And I've heard AI ops and I've heard DevOps and DevSec ops. What is ML ops? This is a being not a technical person myself, this is a little new to me. Talk about that. These are all acronyms for automations, various kinds of oh, automation. Okay. There you go. I'll throw them in that bucket. I think MLOps is the way we can um, take our machine learning data models and you know automate the deployment as well as maintenance. Mm-hmm. Um, AI ops is taking a lot of our ITIL infrastructure processes and automating them. So mm-hmm. our folks are not, you know, s- maintaining them and dealing with manual processes. DevSecOps is during the build of the technology. How do you automate your development processes? Mm-hmm. And then have security cyber embedded in it. So yeah. these are all newer paradigms that we're really passionately and aggressively 
pursuing because that'll give us a lift in terms of helping the businesses deliver things faster. I keep going back to my agility motto, which is which is all um, connected. I know. I think the last time we talked, you said you're just you're you're very high on agility. I mean, we talked a lot about agility and it's that I've heard that from other CIOs as well, that it's not about doing agile or doing the safe agile practices and all that. It's being it's being agile Um, and it's a good term for it because business people understand a word like agile. I'm sure you don't, you probably don't throw terms around like ML ops with business people. You would talk about agility, right? Right. Automation, uh, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about some of your most strategic technology business priorities going forward. Um, has anything shifted up or down your list since in during this pandemic time that we haven't touched on yet? I know we know we've checked the box on agility, so we know that's happening. Um, what about what haven't I asked about around strategic tech and business priorities? You know, uh, from a technology perspective, I think our focus is really um, on leveraging the latest technologies to the extent that we can. Um, Whether it's cloud, whether it's data lakes, it's data science, machine learning, you know, all these technologies we've we've been adopting, we've been, and now we're on a journey to scale. So I think the potential Mm -hmm. still exists to leverage more and more of our processes. And then from a business strategy perspective, we continue to, you know, our enterprise strategy around enhancing our underwriting capabilities, digital experiences for our customers, mm-hmm. those and those continue. So we, I would say we're on that journey. We're staying, staying put and executing to the best. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm always interested too. And when I talk with CIOs at, you know, enormous well-known companies like the Hartford, I always take a look at the earnings calls and see, you know, what, uh, what is your CIO and your C or your CEO and your CFO and, and the head of investor relations, what do they talk to Wall Street about? And I'm always pleased when I see some of the bullet points include what's happening on the technology front. Um, I know there was mention in your July earnings call about leading digital capabilities that are continuing to outpace competitors. Give us a little background on that. What was that a reference to? Yeah, multiple references, you know, in multiple mm-hmm. segments. So in small commercial, we um, have, we secured the number one rank in our digital capabilities that we offer to our customers. This is a yeah. public study and uh, we rank number one. Um, so this is a testimony of the investments that we have been making in providing the digital interface to our customers. And this was based on the breadth and depth of the features, functions, securities, ease of use. So as you can see, Right? It's not just about putting a feature out. It's also about making that customer experience really gold. And yes. that's what we ranked number one on. Um, I think we also mm-hmm. launched in, well, in one of our other businesses, we launched a completely cloud-based modernized technology uh, and modernized data architecture, along with totally reimagined business processes. And so in that business, we have been able to launch products that are innovative, launch products uh, in the marketplace, service the customer through digital tools. Mm-hmm. And um, also a great example, this is one of our best examples, is where um, a process where you launch a product, you see how, analyze how it's doing in the marketplace, mm-hmm. come back, analyze what's going on, what tweaks do we need to make to the product, then go back and make changes. Yes. You know, in the legacy 
technology, it used to take us about eight to nine months to do that. <laughs> and with yeah. the cloud-based platform that we've launched and modernized our data plumbing and data cycles and included data science models, that eight to nine months process is now a 30 to 45 day process. So okay. we're able to respond to the market in a very different pace with the modernized technology than we were able to do with legacy. So this is a great example of how all these, uh, you know, our strategy of leveraging technology to compete differently in the marketplace is yeah. planning. That's great. Yeah, it's when strategy talk is great, but where the rubber hits the road with customers, that's where you want to be able to have those kind of examples. Uh, tell us one of the other things they mentioned on the earnings call was a cloud-based product called Prevail. Uh, talk about that and what role the technology organization played in developing that and what is Prevail? Mm -hmm. Prevail is our um, new personal lines platform. Mm -hmm. And this, um, it is a collaboration between business and technology to, to launch, I would say brand new products, brand new digital experiences mm -hmm. and brand new technology uh, and both on data as well as operational systems. Okay. So it is our marquee leading edge, you know, cloud-based platform that's launched in 16 states and we continue to roll out. And that's what you saw in the CEO um, proxy report. Okay. Okay. And of course, there was also a mention, which we've talked about a bit, the deep analytic capabilities um, and the fact that digital tools have continually improved competitive, yeah. competitiveness over the last 10 years. Yeah. When, when you think about that and you think about the insure tech industry out there, the little startups that are basically trying to be the dis disruptive elements for the big insurance companies like the Hartford, um, how do you keep track of emerging technologies and what's happening in insure tech and how do you compete? I think um, all of us, all leaders, business and technology are mm -hmm. keeping an eye on the insure techs and yes. learning. Um, yeah. Emerging technology is a different animal in my mind as in we look at, you know, there's already technology today that we can harvest even more benefit from. Things like yes. applied AI and cloud fall into that category in my mind where it's still it's got still got some untapped potential. Mm -hmm. And then you have some real emerging technologies, um, as in web three and metaverse and you know, yeah. immersive reality technologies that are emerging that have the potential to disrupt any industry for that matter. Yes. And so we're studying and exploring and experimenting those. Mm -hmm. But um, I would say all of us, all leaders here are keeping an eye on both the insurtechs as well as the emerging technologies to see what it makes, um, what, what um, you know, how we can leverage those technologies and learn and adopt and mm -hmm. keep competing. Yeah. How about a technology like blockchain? That has always seemed like it had a, a lot of potential with, especially in the financial services industries, Whereas, and maybe I'm just out of sync, but I, whenever I've asked CIOs about what they're doing in blockchain, uh, there's usually been a story about, well, you know, we're, we're experimenting with it here and there. We have it in our sandbox. It's in our labs, but it's not part of our day-to-day -day operations yet. Uh, where do you stand on that? I know the Hartford is a member of a blockchain consortium. We are, and I would say we are in the we are proof of concepting with, our, with an industry consortium because yes. the value of blockchain comes when you can you know, exchange 
uh, data that's non-repeatable between organizations. And so we're, we're, we're part of it. We're part of a insurance industry consortium that's experimenting. Mm -hmm. Does it fit in with security issues like zero trust efforts? That's probably something that the Hartford is all over as well. Yeah, we're all over it. Yes. <laughs> we're all over it. Um, and uh, mm -hmm. we'll continue to keep a focus on that. Yeah, I and I always I always attempt to ask CIOs about what's happening in cybersecurity at their companies. It's usually not something and nobody wants to go into huge detail on. But is there anything you want to say about the cybersecurity position? Things that maybe something that's changed over the last three years with all of the new challenges of more people working remotely. I would say we'll stick with other CIOs. Okay. <laughs> You know, it is a top priority and a focus for us, and sure. um, now we continue to work on it. Sure. Okay. Okay. Um, and that actually reminds me to ask you about, uh, we've talked about work culture. How, what are some of the things that, that have changed in your three-year tenure there with where people work and how they're communicating, how much they use collaboration tools? Um, what will you keep going forward if we ever get to that miraculous moment where the pandemic is truly in the rearview mirror? Um, what do you want to keep for the culture at the Hartford, especially in the technology organization? Yeah, I think um, there are a couple of things that I don't think we'll ever go back to. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I always think about is the blend of the personal and professional lives that we saw in our employees yes i think that blend is here forever we mm -hmm. can don't think we can ever go back to the pre-pandemic days so you know our culture has always valued the employees and now we had um and during the pandemic we've had to you know really open that aperture to make sure their personal lives are also part of the well care and the well-being that we think of our employees for of so that is here to stay and we'll continue to be focused on that. Flexibility, as, um, as you can imagine, has become a key mm -hmm. component of job mm -hmm. satisfaction. And I think that's here to stay. So we are adapting in a hybrid model that takes into account both the flexibility of our employees, mm -hmm. but it's also you know, calls for in-person meetings and meaningful interactions and being in office so that we can sustain the great culture that we've had. Yes, and yeah. that in person. Uh, so we're mixing it up. We're mixing it up and really mm -hmm. keeping the flexibility and the full well-being of our employees at the core and center of what the Hartford is thinking about. Yes. Well, and I hear the word flexibility a lot when I talk with other CIOs because nobody wants to put a stake in the ground and say, and here's our policy. You know, you'll be in the office three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, and we'll do this. I, you just don't run into that much anymore. And I know for a big traditionally oriented company, especially in the insurance industry, that was a sea change a few years ago. It probably seems more like the new normal now. I think every company will continue to adapt what makes sense for them, right? Balancing these two yeah. aspects of um, being remote, yeah. flexible work environment for, company, for employees and sustaining the culture. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I wanted to go back to around the way you work with talent and the way you keep talent at the Hartford is about the reskilling and upskilling. Talk about some of the kind of benefits or the efforts that the company makes to uh, help people along in their careers. 
So I would say first thing we make encourage incent our employees to get trained yes we've created uh, we call this it university mm-hmm. that has curriculum for if you're a data engineer and you want to become so and so you can go through these courses mm-hmm. if you're an application developer you want to become a cloud engineer here's the things you can do if you're a scrum master you become want to become an rde here's the courses so we've laid out a lot of curriculum for our folks and then we um actually give them the time and the encouragement to do do trainings. We have weeks of learnings. Last year, I think we averaged about 60 hours per person as the training hours. So okay. that's the amount of time our folks are uh, learning. You know, we're changing our job families to be more contemporary so people can okay. feel that they can grow in the organization. And so our HR has been leading a lot of that work um, to really help our folks think about their longer career journeys mm-hmm. and so we incent a lot of certifications as well our folks have been learning cloud doing cloud certifications agile certifications mm-hmm. whatever certifications make sense data certifications as they make sense for their careers and so all in all a lot of focus energy encouragement and part of our objectives to help our uh, employees learn and grow okay. Well, that's great because I remembered in the very back when I was a, a reporter and then later an editor at Computer World, I remember talking with a lot of technology leaders in banking and insurance. And oftentimes they got their start in their industry. They got their start in technology, taking on lower level jobs at big insurance companies or banks, and then ended up training in certain areas in technology that then led to other greater things. So it's just that idea of those apprentice or internship programs. I I think that that's been, I I feel like anecdotally, I see that surging a lot uh, around in areas. And I know that um, this whole area, mentoring and encouraging new talent has always been very high on your agenda. Uh, Talk about the diversity and inclusion programs and the efforts that you have underway at Hartford and anything that you have added to that since you arrived. Yes, so the Hartford, you know, was has always been leading um, company in terms of this inclusive culture and building a diverse workforce. Mm -hmm. And technology, we also the leadership team puts in a lot of focus on doing the same, you know, having a diverse workforce and an equitable and um, inclusive culture. Mm-hmm. And so they were focusing a lot on culture. We have a pretty strong women in technology program that has existed for many years. And we lean in and help um, our women leaders grow. And last year, uh, one of the programs we added was we were mentoring women. And mm-hmm. last year we said, okay, we need to shift from mentoring to sponsorship. And so now we have formal sponsorship for women leaders, for our high potential women leaders. And that's the program that we want to grow and amplify. And so that makes our, you know, intention of DNI more explicit, more mm-hmm. actionable. And so that's one of the programs, you know, we've started reverse mentoring uh, where senior leaders get mentored by uh, diverse employees and share yeah. their experiences. So there is a lot of the cultural indoctrination of what does it mean uh, to create an inclusive culture. It's learning by, you know, touching the lives of people. Well, and so we're doing a lot of that. But mm-hmm. I would say a big focus for us, you know, we um, representation, inclusiveness, equity for, for our candidates. So we're focused on creating an equitable environment for um, technology employees. Tell me more about the difference between mentoring and sponsoring. 
um, this I'll speak from on my on like personal level. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, mentoring is a lot about telling Deepa what can Deepa do to get better as a leader or get better as an right. employee. Mm-hmm. And sponsorship means I know Deepa is good and I'm going to find her a role that will help her grow. Oh, so it's more so, active. More mm-hmm. active. It's more yeah. active. It is really about um, standing behind those words and and helping people grow explicitly so when we talk about those not equitable opportunities for everyone sponsorship is a way where you know we are having our women leaders become equitable and how because they have champions in the business they have champions in the sponsors that are um you know speaking seeking for their growth behind their back that's that's the difference Okay, good, good. That's a very good explanation too. Thank you. Um, the I want to pivot over and talk a little bit about innovation. Uh, it's one of those you know words with a capital I that can mean eight million things to different companies and to people individually. But a, a lot of the CIOs that I talk with have uh, concepts about an innovation ecosystem within their companies, like how innovation actually happens. Do you have any formal processes for it or are there, what is the general environment for the way you encourage and sponsor innovation at Hartford? Um, At the Hartford, I think innovation is quite embedded in the culture. So Mm -hmm. we have innovation labs across multiple, multiple areas that are, you know, testing and test driving new products, new services, Mm -hmm. you know, new data insights, new things that we could do. Within technology at the Hartford, we also encourage a lot of innovation, both the big eye and the small eye. The small eye is, you know, in fact, I just heard this morning where um, one of our business uh, technology and business teams had an innovation day and they came up with innovation ideas and now they're going to execute the top three ideas that they came up with. So we have these innovation sprints that we try to do um, at the team level across the business and technology. And then um, we're also starting to do a little bit more on the emerging technologies. I would say still still in the nascent stages, mm-hmm. but experimenting with what does metaverse mean, educating ourselves and things like that. So we're, yes. I would say we're covering a big eye and small eye in many different ways across the company Okay, with an IT as well. Well, and I know I talked recently with uh, an expert in the retail industry and the metaverse is absolutely fascinating to retailers. Um, In fact, I had one uh, expert consultant who told me that if you don't already have a storefront in the metaverse, you might be too late, you know, I mean, so there's some of that. Are are you that far along with metaverse and what you're looking at at Hartford? Can I go, if if I knew how to find the metaverse, could I go in there and find the Hartford and connect with someone there? No, and, you know, we may not have, that application may not be relevant to us, so we need okay. to figure out what is relevant to us. Yeah, yes. so we're experimenting, yeah. I would say. Yes. How about digital twin? You had mentioned that when we talked earlier. And what is a digital twin in the insurance industry? And what about it do you find interesting as a technology leader? You know, as, as actually it's less about insurance, but as the other industries are starting to adopt digital twins, mm-hmm. um, it is an emerging trend that we're experimenting and understanding and studying. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's more to come on that, but it is okay. an emerging trend. And just because factories are creating digital twins and construction sites are creating digital twins. So it is, 
less about insurance, but how do other industries, how do we adapt to other industries? Yes, yes. Yeah, it's, it's bad. The first time I heard about it was from an enormous, I think, a shipbuilding company yeah. that we're doing. And um, uh, certainly if you're building something made out of materials in the real world, there's a lot of sense that that makes. I'm sure that the car industry is all over it as well. That's why I wondered with the insurance industry, what use would a digital twin be put to? Still an open question. <laughs> Yes, exploring and uh, lots of users were, were willing on some use cases. Okay. All right. Good. Um, as we wrap up here today, I want you to talk a little bit about yourself as a leader. Um, what has the pandemic changed in the way you lead? Where do you see your own leadership abilities growing as, as maybe as, as you're acting as a mentor, but also being sponsored by other you know, by CEOs and, and business executives. Um, how has that all changed for you over the last three years? You know, you, you learn and grow every day. Um, yeah. <laughs> Whether you like it or not, right? <laughs> and pandemic taught us some real um, leadership traits that I would not have ever put on my roadmap um, of things to learn, just the amount of empathy and the flexibility and adaptability you need to lead mm -hmm. I think that was immense. And so I think I've definitely being an introvert. That has been a big, big, big change for me um, to really adopt, you know, adapt and adopt and uh, be acceptable of all the personal and professional um, being of, of our employees. So that is, you know, mental well-being. That has all been a very, very big um, learning along the years. But um, yeah. other than that, I would say you continue to grow every day. Okay. Well, I remember one CIO friend telling me that he was, it was in the early days of the pandemic and he was sitting closeted in his, one of his guest bedrooms, trying to do his work and sending emails to his team about how it was really just bizarre and it felt very lonely. And, and he felt a little odd at first that he was sharing his personal feelings with his team, but he got an enormously supportive response to that. So I think that that's probably, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, I think that's a great lesson for leaders to pick up and realize that yeah. it's okay that you're human beings too. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, well, wonderful. Thank you so much, Deepa. It's been a pleasure talking to you as it always is. And I wish you great luck going forward in all of your, your digital and data transformation journeys at the Hartford. Thanks for being with me here today. I appreciate the time to share the Hartford story and look forward to keeping connected. Yes, ma'am. We absolutely will. If you joined us late today, don't despair. You can watch the full episode of my conversation here today uh, on LinkedIn, where it'll be hanging around, but also on CIO.com and on CIO's very own YouTube channel as well. CIO Leadership Live is also available as an audio podcast wherever you find your podcasts. And I hope that you enjoyed and learned from today's conversation with Deepa Sony, CIO at the Hartford, as much as I did. And we look forward to seeing you again next time. My next Leadership Live will be with the Global Chief Information and Technology Officer of U.S. Bank, Dilip Venkatachari. He'll be joining me on Wednesday, October 26th at noon Eastern. Thanks again for joining us today and do take a moment to check out CIO's YouTube channel and subscribe to it. You can find this uh, interview today and all of the previous episodes of CIO Leadership Live. Stay well and we'll see you here again next time.
Take care.